quick story. I don't always tell uh, personal stories about myself, but when I do, they're really stupid. So here's one. Um, when I was, I was probably 17, 18. So that's the disclaimer of this story. Okay. Um, me and my friends, it was actually, we were at church here on a Sunday night. And it was after that, and we were like going out into town. We, I guess we went to eat probably or something. They were like, hey, let's just go do what teenage boys do and do something stupid. So um, we were like, all right, cool. So, and it was around this time of year. I know it was like Halloween y time, you know, and we always had this thing where we were like, let's go find like abandoned houses or haunted houses, you know what I mean? Like just st- stuff like that as, as teenage boys. So um, we always wanted to go find places that were creepy to us and just go look around and explore. That's what we did. Um, so there's a, there's a house in town, and I think somebody lives there now, actually, and y'all probably know what I'm talking about if you live around Covington. On Conyers Street, right where the railroad tracks used to be, now it's the walking trail. There's that house like way back in the back, like long driveway with trees, kind of a big yard. And it was abandoned for years. There wasn't anybody that lived there. Um, It's right there on Conyers Street where the hump is. Used to be the hump with the railroad tracks. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Okay. So it was that house. And uh, we were like, let's just go check it out. Let's go walk around it. See what, you know, know, see if we can get inside. Just look around. Um, Trespass, you know, break the law, that kind of thing. Um, So we go and we walk down there and pull up and... um, uh, Jacob Fry was there too. He could validate that he's not here this morning, but he was there with a video camera. That was, it was great beginnings, right? This is how he got started with all this stuff. Um, so he's there with a the camera. We got some of our other friends. We're like walking around like, let's just see what we can find. So of course, we're doing things you shouldn't do. Teenagers, don't, please don't do these things. But we did, and we're like jiggling door handles like, maybe we can get in, maybe we can't. We weren't going to break anything, but we just wanted to see. Well, we get around to one side of the house, and there's like a, there's a balcony, like a little tiny balcony, like the size of this right here, just like a little tiny balcony up on one side of the house. And um, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to climb up there. And look, I'm a stupid 17-year-old boy, and I'm just, these are things you think of doing for some reason when you're that age. Um, so I was like, well, I can't really get up there. So my friends kind of like get my legs, and they like boost me up. And I'm like, okay, and I climb up there, and I get, on, I get into the balcony. And then I'm like, oh, man, these windows are locked too. Duh, of course they are. Don't be stupid. And so I'm up on this balcony. Now, while I'm on the balcony, we hear in the distance. What do you think we heard? And we're like, oh, man. And all of my friends, my so-called friends, at one time with one voice, with no regard to their friend who is on a balcony, go, run! And they all go to their cars and they leave. I kid you not. And I'm standing on my like, guys, where are y'all going? Like I'm standing on a balcony. And I'm just stuck, and I can't get down now because my friends are gone, and I have no way of getting down. And I stood there for like 20 minutes. Of course the cops weren't coming for us. They didn't even know we were there. They were doing something else. It, wasn't, it had nothing to do with us. Um, and they all leave, and they just left me there, and I'm standing there. Finally, like 20 minutes later, one of my friends shows back up, and he's like, are you still up there? I'm like, yeah, I'm still up here, you moron. And um, so I like climb down. He kind of catches my feet and helps me get down. But anyway, it was just so dumb. But have you ever, here's the question. This is the only reason I tell that story, just to kind of get us in this mindset. You ever had a moment in life where you just felt stuck somewhere? Like you just felt like maybe everybody had sort of left you. You didn't really have any other options. You didn't have anywhere to go. You didn't, have, you didn't know what to do. And you were just somewhere, right? And you were just stuck there. And you're like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't think I can go anywhere else but where I am. And maybe physically that's happened to you. Like maybe you actually got stuck somewhere. But maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, um, just stuck in a place. Maybe stuck in a bad choice. Maybe stuck in a bad habit, bad season of life. Maybe stuck in a sickness, some kind of physical thing. Maybe stuck in financial burden. I don't know, whatever. Like just a place in life where you just feel stuck. That, that is really where we find this man 
in this story in John 5. If you have a Bible, just open it up with me. John chapter 5. Um, sh- short, simple story. John 5, really 1 through 18 is where we're at this morning. And we're, we're in this series, Questions Jesus Asked. And Trey ended it with verse 6 there, where Jesus meets this guy and he asks him a, a deeply profound question. More profound probably than at first we understand that it is. So let's read through this again and, and get to that part. And we'll, we'll just kind of walk through what's going on in this story when Jesus meets this man in his stuckness. So he meets this man where he's at. Chapter 5, John 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, is a, great, here a great number of people, uh, uh, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. It just means he, he can't move. He's paralyzed um, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So let's just, let's just pause here. So common scene in, in there in Jerusalem that when you walk through this one particular gate, the sheep gate, there was this place called Bethesda or Bethsaida, depending on the, the translation that you uh, use there. It literally means house of outpouring or house of mercy, which I, I don't think is a coincidence. Um, that is called the house of mercy, a place where people would go, that they would show up if they had some sort of sickness or debilitating disease or some sort of uh, crippling thing in their life where they would show up at this pool. Maybe somebody would bring them there or maybe they would just get there on their own somehow. And tradition was, and this is actually something interesting real quick. Um, like in my Bible, there's not a verse four. If you look at your Bible, you actually might see that. There's, it goes from verse three to five. Um, some versions have verse four, and here's the reason why it's not in every version. Um, some of the oldest manuscripts don't have verse four in it, but some of the other newer manuscripts that they have found do have verse four in it. And verse four says something to the effect of, there was a tradition of the Jews that from time to time, an angel would come and stir the water. And when an angel stirred the water, whoever got in the water first would be healed, right? Now that's verse four. It's not in all the translations, but um, what, what we can at least understand from all of this, that was maybe a comment that was like added into some of the manuscripts later um, in biblical history. But what we can understand from this is that the Jews at least had this understanding. Something amazing happens at this pool, right? Now, from a scientific standpoint, we could probably understand this is a mineral pool of some kind that people still go to to these days, right? Like, anybody ever been to one of the mineral pools, maybe out west somewhere, somewhere around? Like, there, there are these places in the world um, that are known for their medicinal qualities, water that can actually heal because of the minerals that are in there, because God created things that way, and it's super cool. Um, but they had this understanding that it was an angel stirring the water. Maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it was just a, an influx of, of minerals that would come in from time to time, and when they saw that, They would jump in. Whoever was the first one in the water, tradition had it that that person would be healed. Now, again, these are traditions, and these are maybe maybe part of it was even wives' tales, and it was like, well, some people had seemed to be healed from doing that, and some people didn't. I don't know, but at least this guy had that understanding. If I could get into the pool, I would be healed, right, first, if I was the first one there. But clearly that had never happened for this guy, right? He had been there for 38 years. That's a long time time to stay in one place, to be stuck in one situation. For 38 years, he probably just laid there day after day after day, hoping maybe today would be the day that I could get down in the water first. Maybe today would be the day that somebody would help me get in the water first, which clearly never happened. Probably there all by himself. 
And so Jesus shows up and Jesus sees this guy and actually says when Jesus learned that he had been there such a long time, this is the guy that he chooses. That's interesting, right? Like why does Jesus pick this guy? Maybe because Jesus had been, knew that this guy had been there longer than anybody else, that this guy's situation was dire, that this guy's situation, situation was desperate, that nobody saw this man and thought that guy can be fixed, that guy can be healed. For 38 years, probably longer than anybody could remember, he'd been there. He was just there, and there was no healing this guy. It's interesting to me, right, that that, that, that little comment is made in there in the narrative because here, here's what I think that means. Jesus loves the lost cause. Jesus loves the lost cause. Jesus loves the situations in life that everyone else looks at as unfixable, uncurable, unchangeable, right? There's probably a lot of people around that pool who had lesser conditions, than this guy. Easier, quote unquote, conditions to fix, right? Maybe some sprained ankles, maybe some migraines going on. Not that those things aren't bad, but compared to this guy, right? Easier things that Jesus could go and heal, but Jesus picks this guy. And so I just mentioned that to say, because look, sometimes for us in our lives, I think we have those even mindsets about ourselves. Look, whether it's a physical thing that some of us have been going through, or it's a spiritual um, struggle that we're going through, or it's a, um, just a lifetime of family issues or generational sin or things that we're just really like, this can't be undone. This can't be fixed. This can't be broken. This can't be changed. My story will always be this. I think that's exactly the type of stories that Jesus likes to step into and change and heal, right? And so he does for this guy, and he asks him that question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Another translation of that word, well, is actually the word whole, complete. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? And I think that the, the depth of that question and that moment for that guy, it was almost like too big for him to even grasp. And we know that because of his answer, because of the way that he answers that question. I think Jesus has a deeper thing in mind than just his body, and we're going to get to that in a second. But this guy has no context for even really answering the question the way that Jesus maybe wants him to answer the question. And the reason I think Jesus asks him this question, by the way, is not because Jesus doesn't know something in this moment. I think Jesus knows exactly what's going on in this guy's life. And he asks him this question because he wants this guy to know what he knows. He wants this man to know about himself what Jesus already knows about him. That there are some real deeper issues than his paralysis going on in his life. And he's going to reveal that to him throughout the story. So the guy answers like this. He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So look at his answer. He, it's just so revealing to me that the guy doesn't answer in any way, yes, Jesus, I would like to get well, does he? He doesn't say, man, uh, that's a great question, Jesus. Thank you for asking me that, Jesus. I've heard about you, Jesus. Jesus has already done some miracles up to this point. So surely this guy has maybe at least heard the news that there's a healer around here. There's a guy who can do miraculous things around here. Right, this guy who changes water into wine and he's in our town and he's doing things and maybe this guy would come and see me and he doesn't go, Jesus, I've been praying for years. I've been praying and asking God that God would heal me. Thank you so much. I believe that you, and he doesn't say any of that. What does he say? An excuse. That's all he says. I can't get well because I can't get in the water. That's his answer. 
what does this reveal about this guy's life? So I'm going to share what I think it reveals about him. And I want us to tune in because I think this can reveal some things about us. And I want to say this with as much compassion and kindness as I can um, because this is a hard reality. I think this man has become such a victim of his circumstances that it's his identity now. That's just who he is. He is the man who lays at the pool and who can't get in the water. He's a victim and nothing more. And so when Jesus asks him that question, do you want to get well? Do you want to be whole? He, he can't even fathom an answer of, yes, Lord. He can't, he can't even think that way. All he can think is, yeah, but I can't. I can't get in there. That's who I am. I am the guy who lays here. I am the guy who's paralyzed. I am the guy who has no hope, Jesus. So no, I, I don't even know how to answer that other than to say, here's my excuse for why I'm not well. And I believe that can become the reality for some of us in this room and in our lives. Because this has happened to me. I believe it's probably happened to some of you. Maybe it's going on right now where there is something going on in your life, that place where you feel stuck in. And that has become such an identity for you that you can't even fathom being anything else, going anywhere else, doing anything else, having a life that's any different than what you are currently experiencing. That's, it's, it's all that you know. And it's all that you are. You know who experiences things like this, actually? Prisoners. There's a, there's a real phenomenon psychology, um, in psychology called gate fever. Some of y'all have heard of this, gate fever. Gate fever is really the fear of freedom. It's the fear of being free from your, your, your imprisonment, being free from where you currently are. And prisoners actually experience this. When they have an opportunity to be free from jail, to be free from prison, they become afraid of that. Why? Because prison is your home. Prison is now what you know. Prison is where you live. Prison makes sense to you. And some prisoners get to that moment where they see freedom right ahead of them on the horizon. They just think, I don't know who I am out there. I know who I am in here. I know what life looks like here. As bad as this place is, as hard as this place is, as confining as this place is, I get it. And it's safe for me now because it's my identity. I am a prisoner. And they can't even fathom freedom, right? Guys, this happens to us from time to time where if you've struggled for something long enough or if you've been sick long enough or if you've had that family issue long enough or if you've had that relational trial long enough or if you've had that ongoing uh, slavery to sin long enough, it just becomes who you are. And it's so hard to even imagine there could be anything else. And so we make excuses. Do you want to be well? Well, I, I, you know, I can't because, you know, you don't know what my job's like. When I go back to work tomorrow, it's just going to be the same old stuff. Or my family, and it's just going to be the same old thing. Or the temptations that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And the, my, my dad did this when I was a kid. And my mom, and I was raised this way. And it was hard for me like this and like this. And where I live and my circumstances. And we have all sorts of reasons that we can't get well. That nothing can be different or nothing can be changed. Again, look, I, I can't imagine the circumstances that are in this room, the things that have happened in life for some of us. I understand that. But what I am saying this morning is I believe Jesus asked this question because this man could be well, right? And Jesus knows that there is a change in story that can happen when we respond to Jesus in a way that has faith 
right? And, and, and love towards him and obedience to him and just that we see him for who he is. And this guy just couldn't even in this moment. So here's what happens. Verse eight, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And this is just this amazing moment. Some stories, and we're going to have other stories like this in this series where we see like the person's faith, and Jesus comments on this often, like your faith has made you well, right? The person has faith in Jesus. They see Jesus, they trust in Jesus. That doesn't really happen here, does it? Like Jesus just tells him, like kind of in spite of him, in spite of his circumstances, in spite of even his lack of faith, it seems like, he's just like, you're healed. Get up, walk. And then Jesus just kind of disappears into the crowd. Um, It says that in, in a few verses down. So let's keep reading. Because this gets interesting. I think this gets so much more interesting than even what's going on here. He heals the guy, and then Jesus disappears. All right, so here's what happens. Um, The day on which this took place was the Sabbath, verse 10. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. So this is just crazy, sort of side note of the story, right? So this guy was healed, and, and the way that you were supposed to do things, if you got healed, you're supposed to go show yourselves to the priest um, and the, the, the religious leaders just so they could confirm that, right? Yeah, you've been healed. That's awesome. You're clean and all, the, all that stuff. So he goes and does that clearly. And the, the Jews who see him, they don't even rejoice with him. They don't even go, man, you were, you were paralyzed for 38 years, and now you're healed. Praise God. That's a miracle. It's amazing. What do they do? Um, sir, why are you carrying your mat? It's Saturday. It's, Sunday. it's the Sabbath. You can't do that. That's wrong. <laughs> this is just madness, y'all. And this isn't really the point of the, the message, but I do want to just say this. Um, if you cannot rejoice with someone when God does a work in their life, if you are so stuck up and so arrogant and, dare I say, so religious that you can't rejoice when God changes somebody's story who you don't think you know, their story should be changed, or it's just not changed the way you want it to be changed, then you have a much bigger problem than 38 years of paralysis. And that's what's going on here. So they're just like, man, you're, you're, why are you carrying your mat? But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So again, Jesus just being Jesus, I don't know, he's kind of funny sometimes, like we saw last week where he does the feeding of the 5,000, then he goes up the mountain by himself, right? In this moment, he heals this guy and then just kind of slips back into the crowd. You know, like nobody knows where he went. He's just gone. And this guy's like, I don't even know who he was. You know, it's just this mysterious guy and he healed me. Verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, You are well again. Now listen to this. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Whoa. What? Right? So Jesus heals this guy at the pool, slips away into the crowd, kind of backs out, disappears. This guy goes and shows himself to the the, the religious leaders. They're like, oh, you shouldn't be carrying your mat, all the stuff. Who was the guy? I don't know who the guy was. He disappeared. Jesus comes back around like he circles back around to find this man in the temple then later. And then he's like, man, you're healed. That's amazing. Praise God. Hey, listen, by the way, I see that you're walking again. Super cool. You're walking into hell. Something else needs to change in your life other than the fact that you couldn't walk, right? Jesus is now getting to the point of the whole story for this guy. 
There was a reason he healed him. There was a reason he disappeared. And there's a reason now that he shows back up to have another conversation with this guy. Hey, it's awesome that you're walking. That's a miracle. You've been healed physically. Now you need to stop living your life of sin. And he actually says, or something worse may happen to you. Worse than 38 years of paralysis, worse than laying at that pool, something worse than being stuck in this situation as long as I was stuck in this situation. Interestingly enough, maybe Jesus is commenting on how he got there in the first place. We don't know what happened to this man to get him in the place that he was, but it seems because Jesus says this, maybe the reason he was laying there, maybe the reason he was paralyzed in the first place was because of a sinful choice he had made. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but in any case, there is something deeper in this man's soul that Jesus is now trying to address. It ain't just about your body, is what he's saying. It's about you, your soul, deeper inside, that there is a relationship with God that is broken, not just your body that was broken. And if that doesn't change, man, it doesn't matter if you're healed right now. Something else has to change here. And so, when he asked that man, do you want to get well, I think that's what he meant, right? Like he was asking this guy a deeper question than this guy really even understood. And of course he wanted to get well physically, but does he really want to be well, really well? Does he really want to be whole spiritually, deeply, in his soul? Does he want to be changed? Jesus didn't just ask him, do you want to be healthy, did he? Do you want to walk again? That's not what he said. Do you want to be well Do you want to be whole? Walking is only half the change that was needed that day for that man. Now look, here's here's the reality. Jesus cares. God cares about our physical lives, for sure. He cares about our physical lives. We are shown time and time again in Scripture, one, yes, people are healed physically. I believe today people are healed physically. I've seen that happen. It is amazing when God allows a person to come out of a sickness or some sort of physical oppression that they have lived in for a certain season, and God does that miracle. Praise God. That's that's unbelievable when those things happen. God cares about our physical lives, and we should care about our physical lives. We should pray for those things, and we should trust that God will heal in his will. But God cares more, I believe, more about our souls than our bodies. He he does. He cares more about the deep part of who you are than he does just about whether or not your physical life matches some idealized version of who you think you should be. Can I walk? Am I healthy? Do I have enough? Am I provided for? Do I have the money I want? Whatever. That stuff, yes, it matters, and pray for it, and seek the Lord in it, and he will provide. And yet, understand this. This man, and I think this is part of Jesus' point, guess what? This guy is going to die at some point, right? His body's still going to die. You ever think about Lazarus, John 11? Lazarus dies. Jesus raises him from the dead. Guess what? He died again. At some point, the dude died again. So the point is never, Jesus is never healing anyone just to heal their body. He's doing it to point them to a deeper reality that he is the author, the maker, and the healer of our souls. 
And if, we don't, if we're not healed and then see him for who he is and come to him in faith and see that that is what we need more than we need physical healing, we need spiritual healing and health and wholeness and wellness, then we've missed the whole point anyway. And that's what Jesus was telling this man in this moment. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? See, lots of people want to be uh, different, but they don't want to change. Let me say that again. A lot of people want to be different, but they don't want to change. They want God to fix circumstances. They want God to change certain things in life for them. But they themselves, they don't want to do anything to actually follow him, to submit to him, to surrender to him, to obey him. I think it's just something that all of us, we need to hear that. We need to understand that, yes, he cares about our bodies. Yes, he cares about the physical world, but he cares so much more about your soul. Here's my question for you this morning. Are you well? How are you? I really want to ask that right now. How are you doing? I'm not asking if you're physically okay right now, honestly. I'm just asking, like, how are you really doing? Do you just come here week after week not doing so great and really struggling with some things? And we've had this conversation before, but I think a lot of us just walk in here and, yeah, like life is hard sometimes and we're going through certain things and we know in our souls, like it's just not where we need to be with the Lord. Our relationship with him is struggling. And we can put on the Christian face and we can say, hey, I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. And we can listen to the sermon and we can go eat El Charo and we can do that week after week. Or we can really listen to Jesus ask us this question this morning. Do you want to be well? Look, honestly, some of us, um, and we need to take that to heart and start doing the things that look like picking up our mat and walking and doing the things that Jesus tells us to do so that we can actually be well, not just healthy, but well in our souls. Like, are you in community with people? Are you really in community? I don't mean, are you sitting on a row with some people right now? I mean, are you in community with people? You have real community. Some of you need to maybe check out Thursday night CR and how amazing that ministry is to help you work through some things that you need to work through from time to time and just ask you hard questions and dig into the real soul issues going on and help you get off that balcony, right? Help you get off the place that you are feeling like you're stuck in for so long because you want to follow Jesus, but you just don't know how to do that. How are you? Are you well? And do you want to get well if you're not? And y'all, that, the answer to that question, it just takes humility, right? It takes the, the humility to sometimes just go, hey, I'm not, I'm not well. I'm not okay right now. I need some help. And we come to Jesus and we surround one another in those moments and we go, okay, let's, let's get well. Let's follow Jesus. Let's surrender to his word. Let's be in prayer and let's see what God can do in our lives. How's your soul? How are you? Are you well? Um, so the last, last few verses here, I just think they're interesting. So just to end up the story, it says this, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. After he talks to Jesus again and he comes back and he's like, uh, it was Jesus. Jesus is the guy, the guy who's done a couple miracles already. And he came and he was the one who made me well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, listen, the Jews persecuted him 
Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am at work. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. I just think it's an interesting part of this story that everybody went to that pool in the house of mercy. Everybody went to the pool at Bethesda to get healed. And Jesus went there that day to put into motion the events that would get him killed. Isn't that crazy? That Jesus would go and meet this guy there so that he could change this guy's life on the Sabbath so that this guy would go and reveal who Jesus was and what he was doing so that Jesus would then have an audience with the Pharisees and with the religious leaders to tell them who he was so that then they would want to kill him. <laughs> Jesus, is he knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing in your life, by the way. And wherever you're at in your circumstances and whatever's going on with you and whatever you're feeling physically or emotionally, mentally, spiritually, Jesus is still sovereign. Jesus is in control of this story and he's in control of your story right now, wherever you are. Jesus is in control. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is working. And so I want to kind of just give you the command that Jesus gives this guy when he was still laying at that pool. I want, I want us to just put ourselves on his mat for a second. Again, just think, are you in a place right now, or have you ever been recently, a place where you just feel stuck, a place where you just feel maybe I, nothing can change here, nothing can be different, nobody can heal this, nobody can fix this. I want it to change, I'm struggling with it, or whatever it is. Put yourself on his mat. And let Jesus ask you that question right now. Do you want to be well? Like, do you actually want to be well? Or, here's a hard question, do you like being a victim? Do you like having an excuse as to why you're not well? Guys, honestly, excuses are great sometimes, right? Because then we don't have to do anything. <laughs> we're not accountable if we have excuses. If we're victims, we're just victims. But when Jesus says, do you want to get well, then he says a command, okay? So here's the command. He says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. Get up. What is get up? Get up is, do you believe that God can do a miracle in your life? To, to that man, get up is the craziest two words you could say to him. Get up is impossible for this man. Get up is exactly the opposite of everything he's experienced for 38 years. Get up? Are you serious, Jesus? Get up? Change everything about who I am in a moment. You're telling me to get up. So when, when Jesus says get up to us this morning, it's simply this. Do you actually believe that Jesus can change what you feel is unchangeable in your life? Do you really believe that? If it's a physical thing, do you believe he can change it? But listen, so much deeper than that, if it's a spiritual thing, if it's an emotional thing, if it's something about your soul that you just feel like can't be changed, that you feel like you can't do anything about, do you believe Jesus can? Do you believe you could get up from that? And then he says, take up your mat. What is that about? That's about get rid of the excuses, isn't it? Your mat is the thing you lay on. Your mat is your crutch. Your mat is your excuse. Your mat is the personification of your victimhood. That Matt says, this is who I am. I stay here. I go nowhere else. And when he said, take up your mat, he's just like, get rid of it. 
get rid of whatever excuses. Take off anything that would keep you from following after Jesus. The reason that you might come back and lay at that pool, if the mat's still there, you still have a place at the pool. But if the mat is taken up, you have nowhere else to go but to follow Jesus, right? That's what he's saying. You get up and you pick it up. You're done with that. Jesus went to the cross to die for whatever this is. To save us from our sins, but to reconcile us to God and to change us. To give us a new heart and a new mind. To be in Christ, to walk in him, be full of his Holy Spirit. So that we could then do the last part of the command. And what was it? Walk. Go live. Go be actually different than what you are now, what you've always been. Guys, following Jesus, listen, it's okay to not be okay. But what do we always say? It's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to just be okay not being okay. It's okay if you're not well right now, but it's not okay if you go, you know what, I'm just going to keep laying here. Jesus says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. Actually follow me and trust me. Do the hard thing today that maybe you need to do. And maybe that's going to start this morning. Listen, we're going to just sing again. We're going to sing God of Miracles because I just want us to proclaim that that really is true, that he's the God of miracles. And I want you to put yourself into that truth this morning. Is that true that you believe that God is a God of miracles, that he can change your family, he can change your circumstances, he can change you physically, he can change you spiritually? Do you really believe it? And as we sing this, do you really believe it? But here's what I also want to offer to you. Um, Trey's right here. I'm going to hang out over here. If you want prayer, let us pray for you or just pray at your seat or come down. We've got rugs on the ground. You can come just kneel and just pray and just ask, God, would you help me to have the faith to get up and take up my mat and walk and be different, actually make the, cho- the choice and the changes that I need to make to be different to follow Jesus, okay? So let's just sing together. Let's praise God together. And I'm just gonna encourage you and challenge you this morning. If you need to be well, go to the Lord in prayer. Right there at your seat, or you can come up here and we'll pray for you. All right? Let's, let's sing. Let's worship.